Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Get my adrenaline cooking a little bit. Need a little, need a little juice this afternoon. I find that these pods are a lot easier for me to do. Like right when I get back from kid drop off in the morning, I still got the adrenaline of the AM coursing through my veins. Oh, I got these kids up. I got them to school. I'm flowing. I'm firing. By the afternoon, I got some food in my belly. Burping on a podcast. And I'm just tired. The sluggishness. I got the slugs creeping in on me here. But fear not, once we get going, I think we'll get the juices flowing a little bit. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. This is a sports ethos presentation. I'm realizing that I forgot to change the name on the document that you will all be seeing here on this show. So we're going to take that down for just a second while I get that all squared away. So, uh, how's everybody feeling? It's the All-Star break. We, uh, we have a little breather on our hands here. An opportunity to just kind of, uh, relax a little. So, if you want to do that, that's fine. Hang out. Relax a little. Talk about life. I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about today? You want to talk about fantasy basketball still? All right, fine. We'll talk fantasy basketball. Find me over on social at Dan Bespris, specifically on Twitter, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sportsethos.com is the website. Ethos Fantasy BK is the news feed. This is our week in review show. We're still going to do it this week because I don't think we get to do one next week. Games come back on Thursday of next week, if I'm not mistaken, so there's really legitimately one day of basketball that we'll go over. So our Friday show next week is going to just be basketball. We'll have some fun ideas of shows to do over the break. We'll do one that uh, recaps All-Star Weekend. We're going to do one where we look towards the second half of the season. We'll have some buy lows. I had one other idea that I can't think of right now. It doesn't matter. You guys will see slash hear them next week. No matter what. No matter what I say right now. So today... Now that you've all obviously taken a moment to like and subscribe, like and subscribe. I know at least a handful of you are watching this for the first time, so definitely go do that. Now that you've all done that, let's talk a little bit about the week in review. We cover stories from basically the past, eh, roughly the past five days. I know that on the screen it says past five to seven, but we really don't go back into the weekend because we've generally covered those and they're a little bit sort of out of date. Uh... We have some stuff I want to talk about on the related to the trade deadline. Now that we're a week out on that, teams have had their new guys there for three games, give or take. And you even have a couple of teams starting to lean into this hard tank mode already. February 16th, silly season's coming. Two months 
before the end of the season for a couple of basketball teams. Not all the way there, but it's quite close. We'll start with everybody's favorite. Ads. Ads. You know you love ads. These are in no particular order. The order they're in is how I looked at the box scores of the games that these teams most recently played to make sure that I went through every single name appropriately. We have a Grizzly on the ad board. And then, we, you know, we've had some other ones in the past, so I don't want to repeat myself. New this week is G.G. Jackson, who got himself a contract. Uh, more of a points league ad, though. Wanted to make sure that we uh, illustrated that key note on Jackson, who's coming off a very nice ball game his last time out. The Grizzlies somehow managed to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Sort of an unacceptably ridiculous result. But for Jackson, uh, you're going to have some stuff that creeps in a little bit. He's a 67% free throw shooter so far this year. He's 45.5% from the field. Yes, he can definitely shoot the three ball, uh, but a lot of his shots lately seemingly are the three ball. Now, the nice thing about Gigi is that he's scoring a bunch like a bunch of bunch missed a game due to a violation of team rules but otherwise he's putting up a ton of shots he's had double digit shot attempts in each of the last six games he's played in eight of the last nine including there was a 24 in there he's had an 18 a 17 field goal attempt game so he's gonna score because he's just taking a ton of shots he'll get you a handful of rebounds he has some he had a couple of nines in there but he also has a couple of ones he doesn't pass Heaven help him, he does not pass. His high in assists over the last two and a half weeks, I think, is two. Turnovers are going to be there, not in extraordinarily high number, but they'll be there enough because he's got the ball in his hands a bunch and he's probably not passing it. And then steals and blocks are kind of still a little bit, we don't know. His blocks are okay so far. He's at .7 in about 20 minutes of ball game, which, you know, if you extrapolated that, you'd figure there'd be about a block in a starter's level number of minutes. But I don't know that we know that that's necessarily the case. And then Steels has actually been profiling a little bit lower than that. So you're talking about a guy who's going to get you some points. He's going to get you some three-pointers. He will likely get you... It seems like he's going to get you some fraction of a block and a couple of rebounds. But, as is the case with his teammate, Santi Aldama, who's going to be on a later board we talk about today, are the percentages going to be good enough to counterweight or... To not counterweight, I suppose, the uh, counting stuff. Because right now, you know, he shot 50, 50, 50, 53, and 59% his last five ball games. So Gigi's been pretty good over those last five. But game right before that, he shot 8 out of 24. Game before that, 0 for 3. Before that, 3 out of 14. Before that, 4 out of 14. So these, these things do have a way of leveling out at some point. And I'd say then that's why it makes him such a safe points league ad because you don't have to worry as much about the field goal and free throw percent and you just get a guy who's chucking shots like tomorrow doesn't exist. Great. Brandon Pajemski is on the ads board. He has been for about two and a half weeks, so this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Uh, but obviously the big news from this most recent week is that he wasn't filling in because a lot of his starts over the last two and a half weeks where he's put up these better numbers have been with either Andrew Wiggins out or Clay Thompson out. He had a couple of good games even with those guys in. Also worth pointing out, which is why he became not just an injury replacement, but more of a straight ad to see what would happen. And then he took Clay Thompson's starting job. Clay still got plenty of minutes in that ball game, but look, minutes are just not as safe when you're coming off the bench. Clay is not the spring chicken that he was before two 
catastrophic leg injuries. And so now you've got Pajemski in there with the starting five doing sort of the across the board stuff. Uh, and so he's a he's just a straight ad now. No caveats. Keontae George is an ad, also a bit of a sell high. Yes, two things can be the case at the same time. He's coming off a monster of a ball game his last time out. That was, depending, I guess, on when you're listening to or watching this podcast. On Thursday evening, uh, he had 33 points and nine three-pointers against Golden State. He's shot better than 50% in each of his last two ball games, or 50 or better. He was sub 37 the games before that, and then he actually had a run of five games in a row where he shot 50% or better. But again, a lot of this is just getting him back up to a only minor punt field goal percent guy. He's fine from the free throw line, 82%, so, you know, very small positive there. With starters minutes, and this is why I need you guys to hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. In 25 minutes a game so far this year, he's averaging 12 points, three boards, four assists, almost no defensive stats, and two three-pointers on really bad field goal percent and slightly above average free throw number. In his last two games where everybody... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Is raving. Even really, folks should be pretty well lasered in on just the last one ball game. But in the last two games, he's had 33 minutes and then 40 minutes. And in the first one, he had 13, 5, and 7 with two steals. In the most recent game, he had 33, two, point, uh, two boards, six assists, three steals, and nine three-pointers before fouling out. Basically playing the entire ball game almost. There is no guarantee that when Keontae gets 30 minutes, he's going to be a nine-cat guy. Much like G.G. Jackson, the points league noodle is wiggling, or the radar is going crazy, or whatever, I don't know what dumb expression you want to use here, because I'm tired and I can't come up with anything clever. Because you don't have to worry about the field goal percent. Same thing you know, with Gigi Jackson on kind of the both percentages. Now, in George's defense, one of his two percentages is not bad. The other one is just abysmal, or at least has been so far this year. It's really, really, really hard to be a decent nine-category guy when you're a strict punt something. You have to be so unbelievably good in the other categories to overcome it. Someone like Giannis is a bad example because he's beyond over the bar in free throw percent. He's just outstanding and a bunch of other things. But take a guy like a Dame who's at 17 shots a game at 42% field goal right now. But, you know, 25 points, three threes, seven assists, uh, hyper-elite free-throw number. These guys that are punt dudes usually have something else that is lifting them up and over the threshold. LaMelo Ball, before he got hurt, eight assists, almost two steals a game, also big positive free-throw guy, and 24 points a game. What would it take? Freddie Van Vliet might be a good example because he's at 41% from the field, on 13 and a half shots per game. I mean, that might be what Keontae George is going to do about 40% from the field on 13 and a half shots per game. How good does he have to be in the other categories to make up for that? 
So Freddie Van Vliet's not a great example because he's inside the top 30, but he's doing it with over one steal and over one block, positive free throw number, eight assists per ball game, three threes, 16-odd points. Maybe we assume that George can get you 16-odd points and two and some odd three-pointers per game. How many assists do we think he's going to get? How many steals? How many blocks? We've seen him. He doesn't get steals and blocks. He had five in his last two ball games, but, I mean, you know, what did he have? Two over the previous month before that? Yes, he was due to come up a little bit, but we're not talking about a guy who gets a lot of steals or blocks. He doesn't get any blocks. He has four on the year. He's 25 steals in 50 games this year. And five of them have come in the last two. Don't get me wrong. I like Keontae George. I do very much. That's why he's on the ads board today. I mean, like those of you that are watching, you can see it. It's right there on your screen. But this is where I need you guys to hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. He is an ad, and he's also a sell high. Because people are going to see this game yesterday where he put up 33-6 and six with three steals and nine three-pointers, and they're going to start to convince themselves, not that he's going to go for 33 every night, but that he's going to go for like 24, and he's going to shoot 50%. He's going to hit four-plus three-pointers, and he's going to get you a couple of steals. And they're going to start to think, this guy's got top 50 appeal. But they'd be wrong. If you're a punt field goal team, you approach this a bit differently because he'll have a much easier path to value on your basketball team. If you're actually trying to win field goal percent, if you're trying to compete in defensive stats, then he's gonna th- he's he has these holes in his fantasy game that you can probably paper over by trying to trade him after a game where they're not the case. Or two games where they're not the case. So yes, pick him up. In all formats, but if you're in nine cat and you're trying to win steals, field goal percent, blocks, hell, even rebounds, but mostly the other ones because he's a guard. How many blocks or rebounds are you expecting out of your guard anyway? Specifically, I would say field goal percent, steals, probably the two things that jump out. If these are things that you're trying to attack, you can pawn them off to a team that maybe isn't as bent on competing in those categories, and they might look at him and say, Oh, like, you know, this guy's got top 65, top 75 appeal the rest of the year where you're like, I mean, you know, maybe for your build, but maybe not mine. It's one of those weird little footnotes on fantasy basketball where you can pick up a guy who's maybe not the right fit for your build and still get something good out of him by flipping him to a team where he is better for the build. Denny Avdia is an ad. He's coming off a ridiculous ball game. We talked about him a bunch, I think, on yesterday's show after his 40-plus scoring game. Um, he's, you know, he's better right now post-Daniel Gafford trade. That definitely helped him. He's seeing some minutes at the five. Uh, he's getting wild and woolly with his shots. He is also a little bit of a sell high after that gigantic ball game, but I don't think you're going to get, there isn't that, like, mystery box element that people are feeling right now for Keontae George, where I think you could sell him on a a hope. Where with Avdi, I don't think people have that same, like, oh, well, this could just be the way it is. I think they've seen enough to know it's going to be a little up and down, but overall he's been a lot better with Gafford gone, and you might be better off actually just holding on there. Trey Mann is another one. It's a similar thing. Like, he is both an ad and a sell high uh, because we know that he has issues not even just in one percentage but he's actually a negative in free throw percent so far in his young career not by much it's sort of 
uh, nominal, but yeah, he's he's shooting a thousand at the free throw line so far this year. But he was in the high, mid to high seventies previous couple seasons in the NBA. I figure at some point again that will probably level off. He is a low field goal percent guy, just like Keontae George, who we just talked about. These are guys that you can pawn right now for like a, a hope a shiny new object that put up a big fat line in their last ball game heading into the all-star break. You can try to cash in on that. It's a good idea. Marvin Bagley, who's honestly not all that far off from this discussion either. I think because uh, you have a little bit more stat statistical security with Bagley, but it's small if at all, because he's a bad free throw shooter. Although he does shot 82% this year in Detroit. I don't, that doesn't seem like a number that was going to stick. I mean, maybe he gets into the 75s, but he's a positive field goal percent guy. So sometimes they cancel each other out. You'll get boards. You'll get some points. If he's playing full starters minutes, you'll probably get, I don't know, 1.5 combined defensive stats, something like that. So a little bit safer. And also, at the same time, a harder guy to sell high on. Because he didn't have a gigantic ball game that you can run off of. If he does, if he does have a giant ball game, you probably should try to sell high. Just saying. Herb Jones is also an ad. It seems like he's I mean, he had his last ball game wasn't as good, but generally he's been playing a bit better since Dyson Daniels went down. He remains number 75 in 9-cap. Remember, he got off to that very slow start, hit the skids for a long time, and now he's kind of gotten warm again lately. Just a very nice, like, this season's version of Phoenix's Mikhail Bridges, but, you know, without the scoring, effectively. He's based, I mean, that's kind of what he is. He's like last year's Mikhail, but without the points and threes to some degree. Um, so, yeah, people should have a little bit more faith in Herb, especially now that one of the defensive guys on that Pelicans roster is hurt. Live and breathe the herb. And Azar Thompson. Azar Thompson is an ad. Uh, he has been since the trade deadline, so just wanted to throw him back on there in case anybody was sort of second-guessing themselves. You got to see how that one goes. Your holds board for today. Santi Aldama is a hold. Not indefinitely. His usage has been lower than I would have wanted because I came into this with sort of this, like, you know, Aldama, when he gets out there, he takes you know, 10 to 14 shots in starters minutes. And then lately he's been getting to starting minutes. Like he took th four shots in Thursday's game in 33 minutes, three boards, seven assists and a block. I mean, I like that stuff. That's the reason that we were high on him is that he rebounds, he passes, he gets some steals, he gets some blocks, he gets some threes, but I can't have Aldama taking four shots. I need him to take a dozen. If you're playing starters minutes, you better be taking a freaking dozen shots or more Santi. Because if you're not, you're getting bumped down to the drop board. And you ain't that far off of it right now. Y'all so-and-so. Clay Thompson is a hole despite moving to the bench. You guys probably didn't need me to remind you of that because he had a gigantic ball game in his first day off the bench. But hold to see how it shakes out. Sadiq Bey is a temporary hold. I do have this suspicion deep in the old tummy that DeAndre Hunter is about to take his job, at which point... We saw this very early in the season also. Sadiq Bey coming off the bench was not a 12-team rosterable guy, and I think we're probably slowly stomping our way in that direction right now, too. Aaron Neesmith got hurt. Hopefully he'll be okay coming out of the All-Star break, but he's a hold because he was really good. 
lately. Has been, frankly, for a while. Uh, he's number 89 on the season after a very slow start. Good percentage or good field goal percent guy who also hits three pointers, just like mega hustle dude. Hopefully, he's ready to go on the other side of the All Star break. We'll find out when we get there. Uh, but he's old. He's a hold. Dennis Schroeder is a hold, even though Brooklyn got completely obliterated in their last ball game. And again, this is not necessarily a you got to hold him forever kind of deal. Uh,. But I think we could probably squeeze out a little bit longer. Schroeder's one of the guys coming out of this trade deadline. Kelly Olynyk's another one. Where I don't know that we have the final ruling on them yet. I'd rather have Schroeder than not coming out in of the All-Star break. Just to kind of see. Because it, like, it seems like they want him doing more. I don't know that this is necessarily the case. Just seems like it. And then they were so bad in their last ballgame that we didn't get a really good look at him. So hold on to Schroeder. Hold on to Cam Johnson. Same story in Brooklyn. He just came back from an injury, though, so his minutes were held in check. But he was playing better right before he got hurt. So hopefully he can kind of pick up where he left off on that front. Daniel Gafford and Derek Lively on the Mavericks. I think you guys probably need to hang on to both of those guys. I'm higher on Gafford than I am on Lively mostly because his fantasy game actually translates a little uh, a little bit better. He's a better free throw shooter, better rebounder. Um, but both those guys are healthy right now for the Mavs, and we'll see how the minutes shake out going forward. In the meantime, you got to try to find a way to hold on to both because there isn't a clear... They haven't really totally settled on who's going to do what. If I had to pick between the two, you guys know I'd pick Gafford. But I don't think we can take our eyes off Lively yet. Because what if what if it ends up being a perfect split down the middle? Because then they'd actually both have fantasy value. Trey Jones has cooled off in San Antonio of late. I'm going to hang on to him, give him a little bit longer. He's uh, like 140-ish range over the last couple of weeks. Steals are down. Scoring's a little bit down. Maybe he gets a turn around. He was never a massive upside guy. You know, upside was like 90 range. But again, like if you can get him back into that 90 to 115, then he becomes a pretty easy every everyday play. Right now, he's like just sitting outside of that, but not by a ton. And then Grayson Allen, who also probably didn't require a spot on the holds board, but I threw him in there anyway because damn it, why not? Bradley Beal's back out. I don't know how long. Frankly, I don't care. Grayson Allen was a hold regardless. This is basically the same uh, I'm scared board as last week. I was going through and I was like, yeah, I feel like I need to repeat these names. So Karis LeVert is a drop. Max Struess is borderline. Ben Simmons is an incredible headache. And Boyan Bogdanovich is trending towards a drop. I'm not going to go into huge detail on these dudes because I don't honestly think I need to. Uh, but if you need to know more, maybe we can hash it out over on social media. Your watch list this week got bigger. This is a bigger watch list than the last few weeks. And a lot of this has to do with coming out of the trade deadline. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is not a trade deadline-related watch list. He was someone I was talking about as a possible trade deadline winner. Had the Hawks moved DeJounte Murray, they didn't. He's just playing his way back to his starting job at the beginning of the year when he was sitting in the 100 to 125 range, which, like, as, as annoying and boring as it is, those guys are everyday plays in most formats. I get it. In Roto, we're always hunting the guys who are, like, top 80 or better 
But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just need to use a games cap on a dude who's fine. And Hunter would be that kind of guy as he trends towards a full allotment of minutes. And that's why I'm lower on Sadiq Bay. Now, Jordan Goodwin is on the watch list out in Memphis. Uh, he got a start. And, you know, I think as as if he gets ramped up in minutes, that's something to track here on Goodwin. Then you then you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Because he's got an interesting fantasy game. He gets points, he gets some threes, gets some boards, gets some assists, gets some steals. He does well with the counting stuff. Not as great on the percentages, but you hope that maybe that not that many happen. And that can be not many field goal or free throw attempts happen. But keep an eye on it. Also, with the Grizzlies, like they're just rotating bodies in and out every day, and everybody's getting to play 24, 25 minutes. So there isn't uh, like there's no guarantee that he ever gets above 24 minutes of ball game, and that's why he's on the watch list. And also, look, like we have so many guys on the ads board, we have so many guys that are on the holds board right now that like there has to be a watch list. Not everybody can be an ad, or you run out of roster. Like you have to start dropping eighth, ninth rounders to pick up these guys. which is not advisable. Grant Williams is on the watch list. He's played well since coming to Charlotte. Uh, I don't know if the field goal attempts stay this high. I do also kind of wonder if LaMelo Ball ever comes back for that team, and that'll impact all the guys on Charlotte we've talked about. Grant is probably, uh, you know, in head-to-head streamer territory right now, just based on the like, oh, well, we're not going to hurt you anywhere. But I just, I look at it. I, like, we've seen enough Grant Williams over the years to, to know that he's not going to keep taking this many shots. And the rebounds are up because he is playing some small ball center, but, like, there's so many reasons that I don't think this thing sticks. Kelly Olenek is back down on the watch list after his injury, and maybe he plays coming out of the All-Star break, which would be great, in which case I'd put him back at the end of my bench just to kind of see how it shakes out. But for the moment, I don't think that that's necessary because, like, let's say that his back does cost him a few games out of the break. You can't be taking zeros in head-to-head, and Roto, there are too many guys floating around right now that actually have, like, clearer value, guys we've talked about already earlier in this very show. And as much as I love Kelly Olynyk, I'm also fully aware that a lot of what I say and do related to him is from the heart and not from the brain, and that's a stupid way to play fantasy. If you're the team that drafts from your heart, you're gonna lose. You might have fun on draft night, coming out with all your favorite players or whatever, but you're going to lose to somebody who drafts with their brain. And right now, holding on to a Linux would be something I was doing with my heart and not with my brain. Gary Trent Jr., also in Toronto, uh, played a little bit better in his last ball game. I'm still trying to figure out if he's actually going to be able to get to 10, 11 shots per ball game. I'm still leaning towards no, which is why he's watch list and not a hold anymore, because I don't think you're going to miss out on much. He's one of those guys where it's like, look, even if it starts to click a little bit, you're talking about 15 points, a couple of threes, and a steal, 1.2 steals, something like that. Like, is that a game-breaker for your fantasy team? Nah. Nah. 
not so much. Trey Murphy's been coming on a little bit lately. I don't know if that has to do with Herb kind of sliding into more of the Dyson Daniel minutes and then Murphy able to slide into a little bit more of like what Herb's leaving behind. Or if it's just the natural ebb and flow of a guy who generates a lot of his value based on making three-pointers and getting a steal or two, those things are going to bounce around. If he's hot, he's going to make the threes. If he's hot, he's going to make threes, and then he's going to probably play more and get more steals. And as he's cold in both directions, it becomes this sort of feedback loop rolling one way and then rolling back the other. So I don't think you have to, like, add and play immediately. I think you could watch List Murphy to see if this thing sticks. If you wanted to just toss him into a lineup, he probably wouldn't hurt you all that much. Simone Fontecchio, I think he can probably be downgraded down to a watch list guy this week as well. Um, just based on the fact that it doesn't seem like he's going to get to do a ton besides get some points and some threes, which, again, clearer path to points league value. But I'm not sure that he gets there even in a points league. And also, we're seeing Detroit playing Evan Fournier, who's also on the watch list. He's getting 24 minutes a game. When Quentin Grimes comes back, he's probably going to get 24 minutes a game. There's a lot in Detroit going on that's similar to what we saw going on in Memphis. Not to quite that same degree, because the Pistons are going to play Duran and Cade and Ivy big minutes when they're healthy. Uh, where the Grizzlies really only have two guys, and one of them is probably going to be shutting it down for the year in the next month. So it's not quite as severe with Detroit, but it's not that far off, and it makes it really hard to say definitively that certain guys will have value the rest of the year. Royce O'Neal in Phoenix is a guy to keep an eye on. He has a well-rounded fantasy game. I think he would have to overtake somebody to get there, or there would have to be a more significant injury. So probably this isn't thing, a thing that sticks long-term, but keep one eye on O'Neal. And keep one eye on Spencer Dinwiddie in Lakerland. I, you know, this is, again, one that probably becomes more playable if a star is out. Dinwiddie tends to be mostly assists, uh, some points on bad field goal percent, and adequate free throw shooting. And that's usually not enough in 9-cat format. So he's also on the watch list. And I doubt he gets beyond that. And this... Oh, the stream while warm board. Uh, way to skip over that this week. And nobody cares about this one. Injury replacement board. We had some fresh names, fresh meat on the list this week. Let's go through some of the repeat names. Io DeSunmu is a repeat name in Chicago with Zach Levine out for the year and Patrick Williams out for a couple of weeks. He may lose his value when Patrick Williams comes back. Don't be super surprised if, uh, if that's something that occurs. Andre Drummond, as we've talked about before, tends to play when the Bulls are going against an extraordinarily large front court like Minnesota or Cleveland. There's no guarantee he gets minutes against the other teams, and that's when Desumu is able to be more productive. Eric Gordon, who I find super annoying fantasy-wise, is filling in for Bradley Beal. Josh Hart continues to fill in for OG Ananobi. Precious Achua is filling in for this combination of Julius Randle and Isaiah Hardenstein being out but he probably still plays pretty big minutes even when Hardenstein comes back. Won't play minutes when Randall comes back, but we're still at least a couple weeks out on that. I'm not getting into the other Knicks. Like, you know, you're not playing Alec Burks because he's filling in for Boyan Bogdanovich because Bogdanovich was basically a drop anyway. Burks would have a better chance at value, I think. Paul Reed, Kelly Oubre Jr. streams in Philadelphia while Joel Embiid is out. Interested to see what DeAnthony Melton does to the rotations in Philly. He's likely to make his return after the All-Star break in probably a more limited capacity. But as Melton gets revved up, does he just get added to the list of guys you can play, or does he shove somebody off rosters in the process? 
Al Horford is a permanent member of the injury replacement board because any Boston starter sitting out means Big Al gets a nice ball game. Nick Richards, low-end stream with Mark Williams out. Malik Beasley, low-end three-pointer stream with Chris Middleton out. Amon Thompson, who we had on this board last week, but we're adding Dylan Brooks to the injury replacement board because he's out there taking 20 ill-advised shots a game with Freddie Van Vliet on the shelf. Freddie could be back on the other side of the All-Star break. That would be about two, two and a half weeks since his injury was suffered, I think. No, about two weeks, I guess. Uh, that would probably put a nail into both of these dudes, Amon Thompson and Dylan Brooks. But you know, if you've got them on your team already, you might as well just sort of hold through the break, see how it goes, because we'll do sort of a news show on Thursday of next week. Duncan Robinson with Jimmy Butler and Terry Rozier out. Does he keep that job if Butler comes back on the other side of the break? I don't know. If Duncan goes to the bench, you don't start him. If it's Highsmith or Jovic that goes to the bench, you could probably still start Duncan Robinson. We had a short-termer that uh, I know I personally was not on top of because I was chasing family stuff around. This is the thing with these like last-second stuff. Uh, Miles uh, Turner and Jalen Smith were out for Indiana last night. Uh, was that was two nights ago. So Isaiah Jackson got the start. That would be the case if those two guys were out again. Corey Kispert is a play when Kyle Kuzma's on the shelf, although I expect Kuz to play coming out of the break. And Reggie Jackson is a play in Denver with Jamal Murray and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope on the sidelines. It's kind of nice that actually both those guys are out. They provide just a little bit more usage for Reggie, and that was enough to get him over the line. This is a weird time of day for the show. I get it. It's late afternoon on a Friday with no basketball heading into All-Star Weekend. I don't have specific picks lined up yet. Um, I'll probably put some of that stuff out on Twitter as I go through the All-Star Weekend festivities. I know there's some stuff happening today. But the big stuff, of course, happens on Saturday, and then the game that nobody really cares about happens on Sunday little bit of news here headed into the weekend, just in case you guys were keeping track of things. Uh, Scottie Pippen Jr. on Memphis, his back issue is going to keep him out for at least three weeks. That could actually be like kind of winning news for Jordan Goodwin. I'd like to see I'd like to see the Grizzlies in their next one when presumably Kennard and Conchar and JJJ are back. How does that impact the minutes of a guy like a Jordan Goodwin and some of these other fringy dudes, even a Santi Aldama? who wasn't consistently getting 30 minutes with Jaron Jackson in there. If he doesn't get 30 minutes, I'm going to punt on Aldama. Uh, and then if Goodwin can't get above, you know, like 25, 26, we, we won't go down that path either. Either. But what if Jordan Goodwin gets to be that guy here with Pippen out for a few weeks? It could happen. Also on the news board, DeLon Wright has been bought out by the Washington Wizards. He will sign with the Miami Heat. And he might play a little bit here in the very short term. They're down Jimmy Butler, who, again, might be back on the other side of the break. They're down Terry Rozier. Could DeLon get in there and get 20-some-odd minutes right out of the shoot? Probably. I'm guessing he's one, one more backcourt, whether it's Butler or Hero, injury away from uh, being sort of the DeLon right that you guys know I've always tried to attack. Anytime we know he's going to get 25 minutes, you attack him in fantasy. But I don't think we know that to be the case. Uh, and this is, you know, one of the downsides to doing a show here on a Friday where I'm trying to tell you who might be a streamer. Nobody plays again for six days. 
you know, that we're in off period now. League comes back on Thursday of next week, and yeah, some teams have kind of a loaded schedule starting on Thursday, but talking about them today, I can't tell you what to do with DeLon Wright right now. You kind of need to see him play in a game. And even then, there probably isn't going to be enough data because we don't know if he's just going to get eased in a little bit, if they're going to just throw him to the wolves, say, figure it out on the fly, DeLon. We badly need you out there. That game one might only be just the tiniest little bit of data that we'd need to take the plunge. And then it sounds like Jimmy Butler is expected back shortly. His absence was for personal reasons. There was a death in the family. Terry Rozier might be out a little bit longer, but that might benefit some combination of DeLon Wright and Duncan Robinson and Jaime Jaquez Jr. And at which point, then you're looking at all of them and going, huh? I don't know. Do up wreath. Signed a three-year contract with the Blazers. That's not super interesting right now, but it will be if DeAndre Ayton gets shut down at some point, and it seems like it will happen eventually. Ayton's been very fine this year. He's number 55 in nine cats, slightly better defensive stats than folks were assuming, myself included, slightly worse points and rebounds than folks were assuming, me too. But again, they've sort of counterbalanced each other to get him into that 50 to 60 range. He's only played in 37 games. The season's two-thirds the way over. We're into the mid-50s in games played for most of these teams. So how badly does Aiton feel like he needs to take the end of the season off is a question he might want to play down the stretch just to like, oh, hey, guys, maybe I can still get to, you know, 58, 59 ball games this year. And if that's the case, then a guy like Duop Reith doesn't end up being a pickup. But Portland is uh, one of the teams that we want to keep an eye on. And I'm going to give away a possible show for next week, but we're definitely, definitely going to be discussing post-break names next week. And the funny thing is, you know, some of these teams have already done it. Utah's already doing it, saying, all right, Keontae George, go ahead, figure it out. And they didn't do it with their whole lineup, just one guy. What about Portland? Are they going to go full youth movement? Will we see Jeremy Grant get shut, shut down? Usually, that's the way his last like three years in a row have been for him. Will we see DeAndre Aiden get shut down? Duop Reith becomes interesting. Tumani Kamara, Jabari Walker, these guys start to claw into the conversation. Reith has the, the most translatable fantasy game. What about the Grizzlies? Do they ever like just narrow it down and play seven guys slightly larger minutes? Or is it going to be like 10 guys that all play 22 minutes a night? What about the Pistons? Like the, like we just said, they're like Grizzlies light right now. Almost everybody's playing 22, 23, 24 minutes, and then you've got, you know, like three dudes that get a more consistent run. We're on the Grizzlies, it's two. Is anybody on those teams going to actually excel? What about the Wizards? Do they pull the plug on Kuzma, Poole, or Tyus Jones? Can anybody waiting in the wings make a big seal of approval on that one? Is it going to be Corey Kispert who puts up these big numbers anytime Kuzma sits? So we'll have a show. We'll break down some of that stuff. That'll be one of our fun ones for uh, for early next week. We'll also talk sort of retroactively about what we saw on All-Star Weekend. We'll get some buys and sells mixed in there. Should be a pretty fun week where we even somehow managed to conjure up some fantasy stuff to talk about, even without games happening. So, But I know everybody loves the post-break stash stuff. It's something that folks are asking about as early as like December. And when people ask me about that in December, you guys know what I say. It's way too far away. You can't be stashing that far out. Here's the thing. Here's my end of show rant, if I have the voice for it. 
that's another thing. My voice is weak in the afternoon. I don't know why. Maybe it's the maybe it's my body digesting it needs to like use the lubricant elsewhere instead of going to my my vocal areas. So here's my rant on stashing. People that claim they're gonna stash, and this is head to head, like that means you have to play the guy if it's a daily league. They're probably setting you too far behind to where having them start to play better at the end of the year, it's too late. And then on Roto, you're just using up a roster spot. And guys come and go, these outstanding fill-in stream guys that we talked about. I just had the the injury replacement board up there. And now looking at this board, uh, like Amin Thompson, Dylan Brooks, these are guys that you want to get in on all formats. Horford when he has a chance. Reed, Ubre, Precious, Hart, Dusunmu. There's so many guys on the injury replacement board that are going to give you better than top 100 value that for you to be sitting on someone like, I mean, take Keontae George or Bilal Koulibaly as an example, where for Bilal, like, there was never a guarantee that he was even going to get to value. Keontae, we always kind of figured at some point he would get to do more for Utah, but even now you're in this sort of like, oh, giant ball game, he's starting more of a sell-high posture, but like, Playing him, other than the last week and a half when he started to get warm again prior to these explosions, playing Keontae George every day since November would have tanked your team. He wasn't remotely close to fantasy value most weeks in there. So you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're like constantly setting yourself back. You're playing with a hand tied behind your back for months, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, and there's no guarantee of a payoff. This is why, you know, deadline stashes or silly season stashes or second half stashes, those are a much riskier proposition than an injury stash because at least with an injury stash, you know what the guy's going to do when they come back. Somebody, say somebody, uh, shoot, I don't know. Say somebody dropped, I guess I look at the board. Say somebody dropped OG Ananobi because they had to make a run. You know what that dude's going to do when he comes back. You go stash him for three, four weeks. Put him in an IL slot. I mean, even then, maybe you take a zero. Like, some of these guys taking a zero is better than taking the big negative percentages that some of these other dudes would have cost you. So I am pretty staunchly anti-early stash. As you guys heard with me around the trade deadline, that was when I finally started saying, I think it was about two weeks before, I think it was 15 days before that I put the trade deadline show up on out in the universe. I set up the page here on YouTube and I started promoting it, and then I thought, well, crap, I probably should do a show where you talk a little bit about like some of the guys we're looking at. Two weeks. Two. That's basically as many weeks as I'm willing to stash someone that's not a guaranteed win. That's it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's be honest, guys. Most of the silly season stuff that pops up, we don't really see coming anyway. We can do our best looking at these teams that are at the bottom of the standings and still have a handful, less than, like, combined, of veterans on them. The Wizards have 
Kuzma and Poole and Tyus Jones. Those are candidates to maybe disappear. Uh, what if the Raptors go into full tank mode? I don't I don't know that they will, but are they going to really pull the plug on super young Scotty Barnes or Emmanuel quickly? Feels unlikely. R.J. Barrett? Uh, Jakob Pertl feels like the best candidate to get the plug pulled on the year. What about the Pistons? Who the hell is even plug pullable on that team? Evan Fournier, who just showed up, but they're they're seeing what they got. They're kicking the tires on Evan. They've already they're they're they don't have any veterans left. Western Conference Spurs don't have anybody to shut down. Blazers have Grant and Ayton. Simon's still pretty young. He missed a bunch of time earlier this year. Do we really think he needs to miss more? I mean, maybe. Grizzlies have shut everybody down besides JJJ already. There are only like five or six veterans that we can be like, oh, maybe they're going to stop playing on like March 25th. Is that worth it? To hold it? Who are you going to hold for 40 days? We're trying to figure out what's going on with the Grizzlies right now. Trying to figure out what's going on with the Pistons right now. But that's not even, that's still deadline related. That's still trade deadline stuff. So yes, we're going to do a show early next week on second half like the age-old can't the 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 buzzy way of phrasing it is second half breakouts. I don't like to call it that because you guys know I don't like to use the buzzy words in how I describe it. It might have to be the title of a show so that search engine optimization does its little boogie. But you know damn well as soon as we get on air, I'm gonna be like, nah, it's not a breakout. It's gonna be like silly season thing. Cause like how many teams here are we looking at going, oh yeah, they're gonna dramatically adjust their their rotations right now. Nobody. There'll be trade deadline stuff that still shakes out on the other side of the All-Star break. And there'll be three, four guys, veteran-y guys on terrible teams that start to play every other day, every third day, that kind of thing. And then at some point, they'll probably just sort of be off the board, at which point then their backup becomes more interesting on the head-to-head side. But, you know, with the Wizards, we know Corey Kispert is close. There isn't really anybody close on the Pistons. The Grizzlies, we need young guys to suddenly get fewer minutes so that other young guys can get more. For the Blazers, Reith? At least there's like a center-to-center connection there. But we saw Jeremy Grant miss a game, and Jabari Walker was still terrible. We needed like four usage guys down for the Blazers to get it all the way down to Jabari Walker. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know that I see it. Maybe LaMelo never comes back. Maybe that's the story so that, you know, these guys on Charlotte get to keep doing stuff. Joey in the chat room says maybe Cade. Yeah, he's playing on kind of a sore knee. So, I mean, that would be a thing that drops a lot of usage back into the bucket. That would be interesting. Fontecchio, Grimes, obviously Ivy. Could those guys get over the hurdle in 9-cat? So much harder. So much harder to get over the hurdle in 9-cat. <sighs> took me to the end of the show. It took me to the 40-minute mark to rant about something that kind of woke me up a little bit, but man, I am pooped today. Uh, hopefully you guys have a chance to watch this show over the break. I don't know what you guys are doing the next couple of days. Come on over, hang out with me on social at Dan Bassfors. We'll talk a little about the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the all-star game. We'll see if we can isolate a couple of fun little prop bets to screw around with. And uh, I love Saturday night. I love all-star Saturday. I don't. Everybody's a fuddy-duddy these days. Screw the fuddy-duddies. Let's have some fun with it. Enjoy the break. Uh, I'll be back with our next show on Monday. And until then, I'll see you guys over on social media. Shout out to 
Manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. Again, I'm at Dan Bespris over on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Someone's asking about a possible Desmond Bain shutdown. Uh, until I hear it, I'm not going to say it. That's where I that's where I stand on that one. I don't think it's a full shutdown because it sounded like, based on his recovery, that he could be back within the month, and that would leave a whole month to the season left. So that further complicates things. He might just play like one out of every three games down the stretch. Same deal with Marcus Smart, who was actually supposed to be back before Desmond Bain. We might get word on the other side of the All-Star break that Smart could play in like two weeks. Would they really just not play him for the last six weeks of the season? Eh, maybe. Marcus Marquette feels like the kind of guy who might just want to get in there and play 15, 20 minutes. How many of these guys do the Grizzlies need to reevaluate? That's another question. So maybe they get shut down, but I... We always just assume that if a season's lost that a guy just isn't going to play anymore. I don't know that that's entirely true. We might just see him pop up just to annoy us enough to where we're like, oh, why did I sit on this guy again? Ah... Treble, treble, treble. Quoth the great Tay-Tay. All right, we'll see you guys Monday. Talk to you on the internet. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.